0: Most days I smoke before I go to the gym. After watching my four-month-old all day, and most likely having drunk too much the night before, I take off down 695 to the Planet Fitness on Route 40. On 695 I got the buzz on, feeling like a hockey puck on an ice rink. But the thing about weed is the heartbeat stays regular. The body keeps moving. It's the mind that is slippery. So my motor skills define my mind like a wet California hillside, I stay in the lines. Arriving, I pull in and feel a great sense of relief. Maybe existential dread absolves itself in simple physics, like the night snow casting itself against the Maryland moon, an American industrial complex. All buttoned down in Baltimore County tonight, Dunkin' Donuts. We brought ourselves here with a centralized business model spread all over the world, but the night doesn't know anything but the three forms of matter. I grab my headphones and enter for ten bucks a month, and what I feel is something like the buoyant relief of reading when it's good. I walk in, show my keychain scan card, and I, from my lopsided consciousness, surveilled state. Google map driven place on earth and part of a story. A story involving spandex flab and exceptional mediocrity. The everyday struggle. Ordinary musk and manufactured mist. 24-hour lighting. But it it is exactly the magic of being invisible in a public space. Why does it feel so damn good to see and not be seen? It's the same as going to a bar the horizon of blinking TVs identical, allowing 50 common denominators, all of which serve to insulate us, together, in our dreams. I hit the treadmill and listen to part of the Bernie 2020 kickoff rally in Brooklyn from today. After sweating, a little disoriented, elated, I recognize a face. He does too. A, hey, he says, remembering me first. Hey. It's an old student of mine, Kareem. I wince at losing my anonymity, but fall back in wonder when he professes that I helped him know how to write. And not just for school, he says. You start to feel like a wheel when you have kids, like you're the wheel of a busted ass truck, like you're rolling along and heaving the heavens themselves, all the stars and nebula of sleep, age, and impossibility your last life a distant planet. But part of this is the old Moors have given way in lieu of the supernova. That planet was engulfed, the one where you walked around and had your arms to yourself, swinging them gently and sovereignly in the oxygenated air up Charles Street to your next self-determined destination. No, you have been occupied, colonized, imperialized. I look at my flabby belly amidst the proletariat in the wall-length mirror of this little democracy on Route 40 as I curl dumbbells. I'm feeling the rise out of the smoke, my body owning itself, the slow revelation that my muscles still exist, my mind still exists, and my love is stronger than ever. I've turned now to, to some old Springsteen on my headphones and also his new Broadway show, those at the bottom Carrying the economy, have the gifted knowledge, plundered of illusion, relegated to the squeaky grace-filled work that no one owns anything. In this way, kids expose the frivolity of the nation state, of any borders at all. I switched to the latest episode of Democracy Now, but then land on little Stephen belting out a song he gave to Southside Johnny, but that he wrote for David Ruffin, and think about what it is I like about this place. By now I'm on my last mile of the treadmill, five total tonight. I think about how the first things I ever wrote with any kind of popular intent were song lyrics. Then, in straight poetry, I found a narrative arc and more intense intellectual exercise. But, in my head at least, the reception was just as broad and loud for every thought, the swagger just as deep for every beat. The swath of populace whose voices I heard in my head and was attempting to court, to engender myself to, to lift up, to woo. Who I felt I was speaking to and with was always grand in scale. I've never shot for obscurity or entry to some secret club. This is my way of fucking loving humanity. And with grad school, I burnished myself an actual seat at the table and felt for the first time like education included me. After all, these same forces, the exact same activism and fight, perhaps rooted in the very real need to connect with strangers, have given rise to a political context. But it all feels like physics. It's just how things work. We were children trying to figure out how to hasten the sun, bottle it, for it was always never-ending, a kind of mutiny, sprawling insurrection that was our promise, threat, caption, joy, and most of all, right. My brother and I grew up on either side of a boulevard called Pico, where on one side and further up it was our dad's house. Here we had more neighborhood friends, and would play outside, usually across the street, until twilight nixed the day. Dinner time, my dad would yell from the walkway of our bottom floor duplex apartment, and we'd run in, eat, and perhaps it was homework time, or maybe we'd had to have it done already in order to go out and play initially, and perhaps we would go back to the others' house after dinner to play more games in the dark. I remember bedtimes at my dad's house, reading lamps on the walls of our bunk beds, feet shuffling by in the light under the doorway, late-night thoughts, first inklings of poetic dread as I fell asleep wondering how this could all end. The morning would come with such an explosion of sun or lucid grayness that I would never remember. Down the boulevard and across it, more and more doable by bicycle, was our mom's house. A top floor duplex apartment with a steep driveway and a massive deck outside. We had a little basketball hoop out back where once I backed up into my brother's eye and swole it shut. My mom and stepdad had parties, gatherings, hangouts that beat back the twilight, then night outside on that surreal deck. My brother and I would fall asleep on their bed, lying on our stomachs watching Double Dare or Nickelodeon on their big TV. When girls hit, one time my brother and I managed to argue down our dad into letting us stay at a community center all-night event. It was like a filibuster, going all the way to the point where he came to pick us up, soaked from the indoor pool and bursting with pubescent exuberation and hormones. He caved. It was supervised, after all. We'd won and didn't sleep a wink. I don't remember much of the teenage soiree that night but I remember somehow arriving home in the dog-eared morning. Yeah, it was love. Intolerance and creativity, the foreset. mom, dad, stepdad, and stepmom, bounded us in physical and psychological nurture, tenets of some democracy that is the only thing I will always know forever. As traffic increased and the middle class was squeezed, we migrated southeast. I slipped into an immutable daze and my brother, not knowing how to fail, tried to make the best of it. The forces gathered around us and ergo other peoples' rules and regulations, smock sensitivities, traditional verbs and nuclear family proclivities. We were from L.A., motherfucker. But that didn't last too long, although we relished the sound of our hometown. And we missed it. And we were allowed to. Arrogance formed out of loss is a badge of youth, and though the chip eventually gets chiseled away, its very existence is what shoots you into the next phase. But you will need someone to talk to. My parents understood all of this, and forgave us our ignorance, but neither would they shut up about it, particularly particularly our mom. If we are put here to validate each other's torrential beings, we are also meant to challenge them argument is the soul of democracy she was not raising dictators and she was not raising slaves and you could smoke pot and drink along the way but just don't be too foolish there is a scene that always plays out in my mind it happened a thousand times and it happened once it happens every day and it will never happen again there are other people over it is either my mom's, dad's, or eventually my stepdad's, though technically no longer my stepdad's house at some point in our childhood, teenagehood, or young adulthood. Whosever house it is, we are all there. My brother, and me, our two half-sisters, their mom, even our third adopted sister. Our stepdad, though technically no longer our stepdad's new stepkids are even there. Everybody is talking. New significant others and semi-significant others litter the room. The people over, friends from some walk and line of life, are trying to figure out the score. So you were married to who? You? And these are your kids? Whose kids are these? And we're all sitting at the table laughing as if this is the way it has always been. New York with her parents. I have two nights alone. Unfortunately, I can't smoke because I'm being drug tested soon for a new job and also, unfortunately, I'm broke because I haven't got a check yet for my teaching job. I clean out my car in preparation to be a Lyft driver for a day. I've been doing this on and off for the past year and it's nice to be able to get out and make some money when you need to. To be able to hustle. If I had to do it full time I would take a knife to my neck and recently Uber drivers went on strike around the country as the market has been saturated with more and more drivers and the lack of labor-oriented regulatory practices has just led to the to drivers making less and less money over the past four years. Four years ago you could make a living 17 bucks an hour or so now it's down to about nine or ten But what could one one expect working for a satellite? What could one expect in such a non-personalized role where when one head dies one worker quits another just rises up in its place and the CEO somewhere up in that satellite doesn't bat an eye? Corporations have created a business model that mimics social movements like Black Lives Matter or Our Revolution, except they are profit based. Although they are everywhere and functioning under the guise of, aut- of autonomy, unlike nonprofit organizations, they have no emotional ties to the community. Not in theory, at least. But for the corporate soldier down there, strapped and pulling out onto Liberty Avenue, trying to forget the sound of his own brakes squeaking, there is no other choice. Turning left on Patterson, en route to Righteous Town Road, looking for some action. I play a new song by Tony Tigg, entitled Our Revolution. Black, White, Asian, Native American, Muslim, Christian, Jew, Gentile, Atheist, all of us together, all of us together. Nina Turner belts out, a current campaign co-chair for Bernie Sanders and former president of, APLI, Our Revolution the non-profit organization spun out of Sanders' last campaign, dedicated to electing progressives all across the board and getting people involved in the political process. Beep! Beep! Mariama, accept or decline. A ride flashes on. I accept. I pick her up at the Milford Mill train station and take her out to Bel Air Road somewhere, where right after, I pick up Simone. Simone gets in my car and her destination is back to Route 40 to Foreman Mills, a clothing store where she is going to work. Yeah, I took a lift earlier and found out I didn't have to work till later, she discloses to me. Wow, I say. How did you get back? Took the bus. That's two $25 rides, I think to myself. Where do you work? I ask. Foreman Mills, can I ask how much do you make? Do they pay you an hour? 1110, she says. Man, that ain't enough, I say. Maybe I just thought it in my head. Especially for the burden of transportation which has already shattered any profit she will make for herself today. She shrugs it off. Thanks me for the ride. On NPR news they are talking about the dislocation of Honduran immigrants at our border the violence they are fleeing from, and the humiliation they are encountering, thrown into overcrowded, privately run, for-profit detention centers. That's right, government facilities that do not belong to the public. They are privately contracted, like many of our schools, hospitals, prisons. These detention centers, centers of global dislocation in a new technologically murky and mercurial world, small and big, whose borders are non-existent and never-ending. It's no wonder nationalism is on the rise, and it's no wonder it will not hold a warming planet. And it's no wonder our brains would asphyxiate. And those in power, whose numbers are dwindling in people, if not wealth, would need to tighten to the point of dehumanization. I ride west on Route 40 checking my screen for pickups, noticing one of my students working the drive-thru at a Chick-fil-A. The light is shining into the backyard. The neighbors are having a party. Grandfather and children and their children. The little girl wails, Whee! As she runs after a ball in the backyard with no fence, just a slope rolling into that of the other house behind it. Some great music is playing. Tupac, along with some real R&B grandmother died a couple years back. We knew neither of them very well, except for the coming and going greetings, to and from each other's cars, or the -the over-the-fence banter. She the talker, colloquial, some sass, you could tell. Him slower moving, more of a nod and peer-over-the-glasses type. One day we came home and he came up to us and said she had passed, liver cancer. It was very aggressive. It was the most he had said to me in a while. Shortly after, I remembered a night I had stepped outside. It was very dark and I must have been smoking a joint and drinking a beer. And As I was heading back in, I noticed what looked like a woman's figure standing on the porch. She startled me, seemed to pop out of the dark. Some hair and elbow in what looked like a broken stance head in in a hand or arms gripping each other. I swear I saw the hair blow a little in the night air. In my memory after the grandfather told me, as in the moment, I wasn't even sure I saw her. But I do remember a woman bent off the end of that porch, like someone bent to the sea. Maybe it was her daughter, stepping out to fall apart before going in to regain her composure. Maybe it was the grandmother herself, trying to hold and shed this harrowing sorrow, that this night, behind her house, maple trees, soft sounds of a few teenagers on the basketball court across the street, just a wisp under the sky, but the corners of her precious freedom in life, that this that was hers would go on without her. And she was gone. And this 4th of July, a couple years later, the grandfather had been working all week and playing his lovely music, pressure washing the deck for the kids and grandkids. They all flow to the front yard, as do we, when a slew of unofficial fireworks light up the night sky over the basketball court and all over the county. The Canna Lilies Out Front and raised bed summer squash out here don't ask for permit for permission they just grow the coronavirus didn't ask us if it could come and steal all our oxygen it just came likely because we were stealing that of planet earth the sky didn't ask Yvonne if she was done looking at it or the sunlight or the cool grass as a teacher I want to make my students less afraid of their own words and to feel part of a tradition of expression. The form will beat you down enough, and if anything, we can change it. Society reflects us, not the other way around. The extent to which we must mirror it is the extent to which we must survive, but that is no way to be great or even happy. Can I cuss in my essay? yes and that is what was so potent about bernie sanders's campaign a politician with the soul of a teacher and the movement that launched it and the movement that continues we did not have to indoctrinate ourselves and the institutions we could embody them we are health care we are education we are criminal justice reform we are climate change we are poetry We are literature, and this is what we deserve about it. And then, like the carved-out shell of a summer squash, the charade of neoliberal electoral politics held. Ironically, almost as punishment for refusing to decommodify our human rights and the planet, this happened just as we are thrown into the well of COVID-19, where the groundswell of progressive ideas is like a dusty ray of moonlight rolling right over the junipers and into my backyard. For a moment, I think I see a woman on my neighbor's porch again. I'm becoming so tired of being afraid, afraid of losing my parents, afraid of my son losing me, afraid of losing myself. The fireworks tonight, and of American exceptionalism are over, and it's time to go in. But now more than ever, let us remember and hold a place of power where we are not relegated to the lesser of two evils, where we do not litigate lies, but speak the truth about a fallen empire, failed state that got us here, and work for an economy that explodes from the guts of our lyrical humanity, not the recesses of continued compromise and commodified interests. Let us love and let us play And when it's all over, like a river, let it simply cease to be.